0: Hey y'all it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Subcreation sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and non-fiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for Z's. Y'all I am so skeptical about new Disney movies. The ones we grew up with were so iconic, and some of the new stuff Disney puts out is just cringy or repetitive or fan y But after my social timelines blew up about Bruno, I finally broke down and watched Encanto. By myself, as a 27-year-old woman. Which is just weird to me because I like to take my Disney movies with my sisters and a bottle of wine, thank you. But, of course, I ended up crying and loving it and was grateful I watched it. End of story. Or so I thought. But before I dive into that, let me tell you about my 11 Z's drink. It is Diet Dr. B, which is the H-E-B version of Diet Dr. Pepper, basically. Because we love H-E-B around here. And almost everything that is H-E-B brand is better than the original and better priced. The only things that we buy, like, name brand of are like chips and salsa. (laughs) We love our Doritos, we love our Julios, and we love our Kailitos. So, just so we're clear. Maybe I should turn this into a chips and salsa podcast. (laughs) And for today's 11 C's beverage, um, a nice salsa from Lubbock, Texas. Okay, sorry. Let's get back to the real topic here. A few weeks after I watched Encanto, I'm not thinking twice about it, like, it was a good movie, but enough with the hype already. And then the more I started thinking about it, and re-listening to the music, the more I learned and loved about the movie. So I'm going to share with you 11 story notes from Encanto. This episode is rife with spoilers, so don't listen if you haven't seen the movie. And since all of you now have seen the movie, I'm not going to give a summary. You know what it's about. First of all, we have to talk about the music. Lynn manuel Miranda. That is a full sentence. So what got me super into the movie was I got surface pressure stuck in my head because that song slaps. So I looked it up on Spotify and that of course led me to listening to Family Madrigal and We Don't Talk About Bruno and wait, what's that I hear in the song? Who's speaking? I need to look up the music video. I need to watch it several times so I can dissect every little moment because Dolores straight up tells everyone she can hear Bruno in the song and they just talk over her. And by this point, I'm obsessed with the music and have it on repeat for weeks. Did you notice that in Family Madrigal, Abuela's verse is to the same tune as Dos Oruguitas later in the movie? To me, that just means that even though she's the head matriarch of this family, she's still thinking of her late husband and the life they wanted to build together. Plus, did you know that the term Madrigal means a song meant for several voices? It's typically elaborate and doesn't always have musical accompaniment. I feel like the end of We Don't Talk About Bruno really exemplifies this as each member of the family sings their individual verse they sang before, but at the same time, they all somehow mesh together. I just love how not only is the music catchy, but it's meaningful and represents exactly who this family is. Individual, but together. Second, let's talk about the setting. This movie takes place in Colombia, and I feel they really portrayed that well. Apparently, Disney spoke with cultural experts to make sure the representation was authentic. The details of the architecture, food, clothing, and coffee all scream Columbia. ScreenRant posted an article trying to figure out the historical significance of Abuela's experience losing her home and husband. Due to the supposed timeline, it is believed the movie references the Thousand Days War, which took place in Colombia from 1899 to 1902. During this time, many towns were ransacked, leaving villagers displaced, just like what happened to Abuela and Pedro. I just think it is so important that we tell these stories, even to children, because even if they don't fully understand it at the time, they might ask questions when they're older. I think it's important that kids hear stories from all over the world, and I think it's important that those stories can be fun and heartwarming, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that brings us to the Spanish. I absolutely love how Spanish was incorporated into this movie. There are many older Disney movies that, yes, do take place in other countries, but you wouldn't actually know it if you didn't know it. Like Beauty and the Beast is in France, but aside from Lumiere, no one sounds or speaks French. And in Canto, however, the entire Madrigal family is played by Latino actors. And in looking this up, I found out freaking Wilmer Valderrama plays Mirabelle's dad, I have to rewatch it with that in mind now. Anyway, they speak authentically, and they weave Spanish words into their mostly English sentences without translating. Like, Tio, Tia, and Primo are all used to describe family members with no explanation. I also love how there's a full song in Spanish in the movie, and even the English version keeps some of the Spanish words. Which sounds like such a little thing, but my four-year-old niece watches this movie, and I hope she's picking up on some of these basic vocabulary words because Mexico is our closest neighbor, and I think it's important for us to learn other languages. Also, one of the best lines in the whole movie, one of those thrown in for adults, spoken by the amazing Wilmer valderrama is when Mirabelle gives her dad the rundown of very chaotic events and he just says, Mircules, which of course means Wednesday, but sounds like something else. Next, I just want to briefly mention something I spent several pages writing about a few weeks ago. I recently read How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur, and he basically put all the moral and ethical philosophy stuff he learned while writing The Good Place into plain and funny language for the rest of us. And as I'm reading, I started to see characteristics and plot points from Encanto characters in the philosophy I was reading about. I'm not going to get into it here, but I compare Isabella to Virtue Ethics, Luisa to a Happiness Pump... Bruno to the trolley problem, and Abuela to Ubuntu. Definitely go check out my blog at kdsubcreations.wordpress.com if you want to read all about it. I'll drop a link in the show notes. My fifth story note is about the different gifts. Disney did this with The Incredibles too, where their powers reflected their personality, and I think that's awesome. Julieta is a mom and a caretaker who probably loved food and cooking, so she gets the gift of creating healing meals. She also married a man perfect for her because he's accident prone, so she just feeds him and makes him all better. Tia Peppa has a lot of emotions, maybe even clinical mental issues, according to a therapist on TikTok, so her emotions start coming out of her like weather, and she married a man who was fun and carefree, who always encouraged her to be as well. Tio Bruno just wants the best for those around him, and I think he may have been a little bit anxious, and so he gets the gift of seeing the future. Dolores is a bit of a gossip, so she gets super hearing. Camilo is a funny, extroverted guy, so he gets a shape-shifting gift he can use to help and or entertain people. Isabella is beautiful and feels the need to be perfect, so she gets a gift of producing pretty flowers. Luisa is protective and even a little hardened, and she gets the power of super strength. Antonio has a bit of a wild side, so he gets the ability to speak with animals. I'll get into this in a little bit, but each of these people learns how to better think of and use their gifts throughout the movie, and it's just really cool. You'll notice I left a couple people out of that list, and I want to bring them up now with note six. What is Abuela's gift? It seems kind of ambiguous, but I think her gift is just being keeper of the magic. She's the one who came across the magical candle and was gifted the magical house. She keeps the candle in her room, assigns doors to her children and grandchildren, and make sure they know how to use their gifts to help the greater community. The whole premise of the movie is that main character Mirabelle wasn't given a gift. When she went to open her magical door, nothing happened. And years later, she is feeling the weight of not being special, of not being able to contribute, not living up to her family name. But throughout the movie, she ends up helping several family members learn that they are more than just their gifts, and that they need to rest from taking care of everyone once in a while. She learns her value even without a gift. Tio Bruno even says she's the real gift, just who she is as a person. But at the end, when she turns the doorknob of their new house, I believe she is given a gift. She's given Abuela's gift of Keeper of the Magic. Because if Abuela passed away as Keeper of the Magic, what would happen to everyone else's gifts? I think Mirabelle needed to learn what the gifts meant and how to use but not abuse them, and then she would take the torch passed from Abuela. That's why their new house is now sentient like the old one, and the doorknob did shine when she opened it. P.S. Abuela and Mirabelle are the only two in the movie we see actually interacting with the magical house. At first, I wanted the movie to end without her getting a gift, because I didn't want the message to be, just work real hard and then you'll be rewarded with what you've wanted all along. But I don't think that is the message. The message is that you are special whether or not you have a specific gift or passion to share with the world. You were special just for being you. And even if you do get a gift, that doesn't increase or decrease your specialness. So when she does end up with a gift at the end, the movie just brushes past it. You wouldn't even notice unless you started dissecting it like I did. But now, even after Abuela's passing, her legacy will live on. Her family will continue to love each other and serve the community with their gifts. Film Theory has an amazing video all about this on YouTube, about how the movie pretty much tells you all this through the doors, the clothing, and the lyrics of Dos Orguitas, but I just want to point out that I wrote this paragraph before I watched that video, so there. Okay, for my last few notes, I want to talk about specific characters and how they grew and changed over the course of the movie, which, as a reminder, is like an hour and a half long animated children's film, by the way. (laughs) Like, Disney sucks at a lot of things, but every once in a while, they hit it right out of the park. Anyway, my seventh note is about Louisa. So, obviously, she has a rough personality and the gift of super strength, and even though she starts her musical number saying she's tough and not scared, we come to find out that she is burnt out. She arguably takes on more chores around town than any other members of the family. She sets houses back on their foundations... She wrangles donkeys, and as she's on her way to one task, she is being asked to do several other tasks, and it is weighing on her. It is causing her to put her entire worth in her abilities. So when they start to falter, she breaks down. But did you notice that hers are the only powers in the whole movie that start to fade because of the magic trouble? I bet it's because that even though she's the strongest physically, she was one of the weakest emotionally. Her gift was already at its breaking point before the events of the movie took place, but what she learns from Mirabelle and the others is that she does not have to carry the burdens of the entire town. She is allowed to cry, to take a break. She needs to check in on herself every once in a while. She is still a valued member of the family even when she is chilling in a hammock sipping a drink. Next, let's talk about Isabella. She is described as being graceful and perfect more than she is described as having the gift of making flowers bloom. It's not clear if her perfection is a part of her gift or just her oldest daughter personality, but it ticks Mirabelle off. She's jealous and bitter toward her sister, even to the point of not wanting to hug her. But during a tiff between Mirabelle and Isabella, we come to find out that Isabella's life is not as perfect as we thought. She was willing to marry a man she was not in love with just to help her family out. She felt so much pressure to be pretty and perfect, but in the midst of arguing, she produces a funky new kind of plant and that opened her up to the person she could be. She started dancing and singing and flinging wild vines and colors all over the house. Her demeanor completely changed as she became her true self, absolutely full of joy with the weight of expectation lifted from her shoulders. By the end of the movie, she breaks off her would-be engagement and grows closer to her sisters in the process of becoming herself. My ninth note is about Tia Peppa. At first glance, she is comic relief. I don't think she has the power to control the weather, but her mood affects the weather around her. So when she's upset in any way, clouds hover over her head until she breathes and repeats to herself clear skies. As aforementioned, a therapist on TikTok mentioned something about how Peppa feels the need to repress her emotions. She doesn't want it to rain all over the house, so she forces her feelings back down inside her and moves on with a mantra of clear skies. Even though she doesn't have a major storyline, at the end of the movie, Bruno apologizes for seemingly causing the storm at Peppa's wedding. He said he could just tell she was nervous and he wanted her to know that it was okay to be nervous. It was okay for her to let it rain when she felt upset. Her feelings are valid and she shouldn't have to hide them away. Her husband, Teo Felix, agreed, which tells us her need to contain her emotions came from elsewhere, but we'll get to that. We don't get to see a full arc with her, but I can only hope she took Bruno's and Felix's words to heart and started gusting her winds all over the place. While I'm on this note, I just want to quickly discuss Dolores. I mentioned earlier that she was sort of portrayed as a gossip and that's why her gift was super hearing, but by the end we learn that she is just truly a good listener. She explained the Bruno situation to Mirabelle in a very compassionate way saying she was raised in fear of her uncle when really her family was just struggling with prophecies they could never understand. She listened and understood Mariano, even though at face value he is a sappy pretty boy. And even though she had feelings for him, she stood by, listening and waiting, so as not to disrupt her cousin's happiness. Thankfully, she got her happy ending. 10 is Tio Bruno. We gotta talk about Bruno. Bruno. So he had the gift of prophecy and longed to use it to help the community. Unfortunately, when his visions were unfortunate, people blamed him. And when he had a vision about his niece Mirabel, he feared her reputation would turn as sour as his, so he left. He gave up his family, his home, and his happiness to protect his niece. Yet he still loved and valued his family, so he stayed close by, keeping an eye on them, dancing through the background of their lives and patching up the cracks that started to appear in the walls. During all those years in solitude, he talked to himself, he made up stories with his rat friends, and he probably had a lot of self-doubting thoughts. Luckily, by the end, Mirabelle convinces him to come out of hiding to help her. Antonio welcomes him without a thought, and the rest of his family is so happy to see him again. There is no bad blood or bitterness between them whatsoever. He starts dishing out apologies right away still trying to earn a place at the table but his sister says we're just happy that you're here okay like he didn't have to apologize for being himself he just needed to be there and my last story note is about abuela matriarch madrigal herself the reason there are all of these negative feelings swirling around the house she pushed Luisa to her breaking point with the amount of chores she was given She pressured Isabella to get engaged to a man she didn't love just to produce the next generation of magical children. She probably told Peppa to keep her emotions reined in, see what I did there, to the point where she was afraid of even the tiniest drizzle. She made Bruno feel like if his gift wasn't helpful to the greater community, he was no longer wanted, and she let Mirabelle fall to the wayside, not even giving her her own room when she wasn't given a gift. My gosh, talk about manipulative. But then you realize what all she went through that made her that way. Her village was attacked and she lost her home. Her husband was killed in front of her. She was left alone to take care of triplets. And then she was magically granted a sentient house that gave out special powers to her children when they reached a certain age. So she longed to earn that gift by giving back to her community. She held her children so tightly because she was afraid of losing them like she did her husband. And I think she secretly felt so guilty about the whole Bruno Mirabelle situation, but didn't know how to express it. It's a tough situation. But what I appreciate about the Madrigals is they didn't just cut Abuela off. I swear, these days, people are just looking for an excuse to burn bridges. But Bruno never fully left his family. The girls still tried their best to please Abuela. Abuela. I'm not saying they have to stay in a toxic situation just to keep their family together, but I admired that they were willing to work on it instead of just ditching out when it got hard. After sharing her story with Mirabelle, Abuela realizes how tough she's been. She apologizes for all the hurt she caused. She sees the value in the people who don't have gifts as the entire town comes to help them rebuild their house. And by the end, she was laughing over the fact that the family wasn't perfect, something she strived for for so long. Whew! So there were 11 things I've learned and loved about Encanto. If you haven't seen it, my gosh, you just spoiled the whole movie for yourself, didn't you? But go watch it anyway. If you have seen it, I hope you appreciate it a bit more and go back for another rewatch. Because on top of all the things I just mentioned, it's also one of the very, very few Disney movies that doesn't have a villain, doesn't have the main character's one purpose be to find love, and does portray several healthy romantic relationships to look up to. And if we've learned anything from this beautiful, magical, musical movie, it's that even if you don't feel gifted, even if you're not perfect, even if you have a not-so-great family situation, God made you special, and he loves you very much. Thanks for joining me for Eleven Zs. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, Tune in each Thursday and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at KDSubCreations and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.